Letters from a Glass House is a not-for-profit ministry of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Venice, Florida. Support us today at UUCOV.org. You all may notice we've got the hymnals out under the chairs, so if you like to look at the sheet music or want a little closer version of the words, the hymnals are out, so they're there for you to use if you want them. When I go to parties or on trips where people don't know me, and we have all the normal chit-chat. And what's one of the first questions you ask people? You ask them, so what do you do for a living? And when I say, actually, I'm a minister, I get one of two types of things that happen. Either somebody steps back and they look at everything from my tattoos to my hair, and they go, yeah, right, what do you really do? Or my very favorite, I say, actually, I'm a minister. And suddenly they try to hide their beer behind an air molecule. <laughs> and I notice them, you know, they've got a lit cigarette and they're, they're doing this. And the first thing out of their mouth is, I just love Jesus. <laughs> and I have to explain that it's really okay and they can get their beer out of the potted plant. And, you know... I, I'm great, whoever you love. There have been a lot of days where I've seriously, seriously been tempted because of a business my family is in to say, no, I'm a mortician, what do you do? <laughs> but doing that, while it would be a lot easier, even though I know that business, it would betray this piece of fabric I wear around my neck, this stole I'm a minister with a capital M. That means I answered that call to spend my life working in this field. I'm trained to do the work of helping people to transform, helping them figure out what it is they believe and how they live those values in the real world. I'm answerable to the church where I am called or hired and ethical and legal codes that help me to maintain good boundaries. We all know that. And when I stood in front of my first church, one of the things they do is they put one of these on you. I was ordained, and they put the stole around my shoulders, and all I could think of was, my God, that is so heavy. In some ways, it always will be, because a minister with a capital M is an equal called out from among the people to serve in the role up here. And we wear the weight of that unique role, no matter where we are, up here doing our job, at a party. But as I put that first stole on, was in a church filled with 250 people and they all came forward and they did laying on of the hands not to speak to any God but to bring their strength forward 
And the weight lifted, and I understood that I don't stand alone. We're able to bear the weight of the stole because the congregation bears it with us. Every one of you. We are you, you. We're held together by congregational polity. What does that mean? It means you own the church. You are the church. It says we believe in a shared ministry of all of us. Our spiritual ancestor, one of them, is Christianity. When it first shaped itself, it centered on the idea that we were all priests. A rabbi named Jesus of Nazareth spoke directly to the people, and even after his death, there was no idea of recreating the priestly caste found in Judaism. Every person, every person was equal. They were expected to have some kind of personal relationship with the divine of their understanding. Each person was asked to bring whatever skills they had forward for the good of the community. They worshiped together. They shared. They trusted their own understanding of what they needed to do. And if somebody had asked those early Christians, what is your ministry? You would have gotten a direct answer. I'm a fisherman. I'm a baker. I'm a seamstress. I'm a furniture maker. What is your ministry? How do you serve with love and joy? How do you serve your community? That idea was still around in 1520. Martin Luther wrote, in fact, we are all consecrated priests. As St. Peter in 1 Peter 2 through 9 says, you are a royal priesthood and a priestly kingdom. And revelation, which is wild on its own. It says, through your blood, you have made us into priests and kings. A few months later, Martin Luther wrote, there are indeed priests who we call ministers. They are chosen from among us. They do everything in our name. There is a priesthood which is nothing else than the ministry. The Unitarian Universalists took this idea, the shared priesthood, the shared polity, Each congregation calling forth its own professional minister if it wants to. The power lies with you. That minister governs as the people of the church find fit. That's an awesome responsibility. And as you enter into the search process, you are engaged in finding that person to be upfront in your name doing what it is you want them to do, helping to direct the church in ways that you find fit. But there's more. There's more behind that. You're called not just to share church governance, which you all are amazing at. You're called to share the work of prophecy, And this is a weird concept for a lot of folks. So let's talk about it. 
This is the place where the weight of the minister's stole gets a little heavy if they're out there by themselves. Theologian James Luther Adams, who most of us call JLA, said the prophetic liberal church in which the prophetic is not a church in which the prophetic function is assigned merely to a few. The prophetic liberal church is the church in which all persons think and work together to interpret the signs of the times in light of their faith, to make explicit through discussion the thinking that the times demand. It says we run our mouths, that that's what we're called to do, to think about what is going on in the world and to have an opinion about it. The prophetic liberal church is the church in which all members share the common responsibility to attempt to foresee the consequences of human behavior, individual and institutional, with the intention of making history a place of merely being pushed around by it. He said, only through the prophetism of all believers can we foresee doom and mend our common ways. Now, for some, JLA's ideas are horrifying. When we say prophet, I know the first image that comes to my mind is the biblical Ezekiel. This wild person standing out by a stream and and screaming, wearing rags of goatskin. He wasn't exactly popular at dinner parties. We think about Ezekiel having visions of wheels within wheels and fierce beasts. In verses 8 through 12 in the book of Ezekiel, he writes, Because of your lying false words and lying visions, I'm against you. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lying divinations. They'll not belong to the council of my people or be listed in the records of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the sovereign Lord because they will lead my people astray, saying peace when there is no peace. And because when a flimsy wall is built, they cover it with whitewash. Therefore, tell those who cover it with whitewash that it's going to fall. Rain will come in torrents, and I will send hailstones hurling down and violent winds. And when the wall collapses, will people not ask you, where's the whitewash you covered it with? Now, that doesn't seem very useful in modern America. I sit there, and my first reaction is, okay, who cares? What does that mean to me? So let me reword that in modern English. Life and love call us to this. We have to reject lies and false visions of what our country should be, what our people should be. Someone who leads through lies will never be truly great, and they shouldn't be welcome in our country, no matter who they are. As we stand together, you'll know that we embody love, because a liar will tell us to accept falsehood in the name of peace when there isn't any peace. They'll build a flimsy wall, cover it with cheap paint, and tell us it'll protect us. But we have to tell the wall builders and the contractors and the wall painters that it'll all fall when love rises up and storms against badly built stones, 
Walls fall, and people will ask, why was this ever built when clearly it wouldn't stand? No matter what the bad actions are that you see, it's your job to open your mouth. That's what this says. Prophecy doesn't come in biblical-sounding words these days. It doesn't come from one viewpoint. You aren't called to preach hellfire and brimstone unless you really feel called to do that, and then, okay. You're called to bear the weight of the stole. You're called to speak out when you see something wrong. It could be as simple as seeing a buddy who's a contractor literally building a bad wall. Could be as firm or as big as going to political rallies and speaking truth to power. Only you know what you are called to. You are called, however, to rise up in troubled times and say to those you know, here's what I see and here's where I stand. No more than that. You can be Republican or Democrat or Independent. You can be green. You can be totally apolitical. This isn't about politics. This is about open your mouth. Speak your truth. Tell what you see and you know. Only you can say whatever your prophetic vision of the future is. I don't know if you're a John the Baptist or a Bob Dylan, a Lady Gaga or a Gandhi. I don't know if your truth and my truth sound alike, but I know that without you, the weight of the stole pulls a minister to their knees. It takes us all with all our different viewpoints to engage in ministry. And as you go into search, it matters. Because you may not think that your view is important, that your truth is important. I can tell you that it is. That every voice has to be heard because you matter. As our reading says this morning, we're trying to make the best of a nutty situation. In fact, that's what I'm trying to do all the time. That's it. I want you to put me down in the Gallup poll as someone who helps all the time. Put me down under all the above. I'm very all the above. We're all trying to make the best of a nutty situation. And if search isn't a nutty situation, I don't know what is. We're all trying to do our best. Do your best. Speak bravely. Rise when possible. Be very all the above. I'll help you carry your stole if you help me carry mine. Amen.